There's always something happening here at New Hope Church. We're, it's not busy. It's just life, and we enjoy doing it together, yes? At this time, we're going to prepare to receive our tithes and our offerings. If you're visiting us for the very first time or perhaps visiting us from another church, we just want to encourage you to take your tithes there and don't feel obligated to give. But if this is your home church, this is a time where we get to partner with God and we get to say, Lord, we want to give of our tithes and our offerings. You know, yesterday, I'm, I'm coming up to a busy season where I'm involved with all of our camps. And so my son was asking me, like, hey, mom, do you have a day that we can just hang out? And it's summer break. And I was like, well, let me check. And I was looking through some things. And I said, you know, I'm not too sure. And he's like, just one day. And I was like, you know what, you're right. You're right. Let's go get filled up before we get right into our, our camps. So I said, what do you want to do? And he's like, let's go to the beach. Now, our favorite beach is over the mountain onto the west side where the sun is at. And so yesterday we packed up the truck early in the morning. We headed over to Kona and we spent the whole day there. As you can tell, I'm a little red and we had such a good time just just being together and getting filled up. And on the way home, I said, you know, Ethan, you drive home. I'm just going to sit back and relax and you can drive home. And he was like, oh, okay. So we're driving up White Kaloa and I noticed over Saddle Road, heavy black clouds. And I said, hmm, I'm not too sure if I should let you drive Saddle Road when it's going to be raining. He's like, no, it's okay. I can do it. I said, no, pull over. Let me, we're going to switch out. And he's like, okay. Now, it's not that I didn't trust my son driving. I just trust me more. And the reason why I trust me more is because I'm familiar with the road. He's not too familiar yet with the road. I have been driving Saddle Road for many, many years. And so I was familiar with it, which gave me confidence that I could get him and myself home safely. See, when we give of our tithes and our offerings, what we're saying is, is sometimes it's a little difficult, but we got to practice. And we, gotta, we have to have faith and we have to trust that God knows. And when we trust him because he knows better than us, I have confidence. I have more confidence because I'm familiar with who he is. And the more I, every time I, I exercise that faith and I exercise that trust, I become familiar with who he is and the blessings that he has in store for me. And so every time I give, what I'm saying is, Lord, out of obedience, what you have called me to do, I am trusting you that you're going to take my tithe and you're going to take what I'm giving and you're going to use it and you're going to multiply it. And in that is where I gain confidence. So as we give, let's ask the Holy Spirit to download and pour out his confidence as we trust in him. Amen. Let's pray. Most Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you are a God that gives us the confidence to trust in you, that you are going to see us home safely. And everything that we give to you, Lord, regardless if we can see maybe 10 feet or 10 years in front of us, Lord, that you take what we give and you multiply it and you even pour it back on us and bless us oh lord we thank you for giving us that confidence that we can trust in you because you never fail us and that your promises are always true and we thank you for loving us and that we thank you that we get to partner with you in jesus name we pray amen and ushers
Well, Pastor Sheldon is continuing his series, The Family of God. And when I think about the family of God, I, of course, think of you. I think that, you know, we are one ohana, but we actually are part of a bigger ohana called Foursquare. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, we were in Nashville for our annual convention there. And it's such a great time to reconnect and, and see all of our friends and our family. And we have such a great time, but not just having a good time. We get to experience and, and encounter and even get to just worship God in such a way where we're like so thankful that he has called us to be part of this family. And as we, we grow in God, we get to grow in our relationships as well. So we wanted to share with you this video that you, so that you know that you are part of a bigger family, the Foursquare family. Let's take a look at this. I'm here to tell you this morning that I think Jesus has a word for us, that what's at stake is significant because I believe that Foursquare has an inheritance and the inheritance is a spiritual awakening in our generation. We all have something to learn from each other. We actually need each other. Could it be that our unity is actually an act of worship? seconds to just say our church is under a hundred you don't have to be a large church to have a huge impact for the kingdom i think sometimes as pastors we especially in our day we have you know famous pastors and rock star pastors that we feel the pressure to perform we feel the pressure to succeed so that our peers will be impressed and the lord just brought me back to a place of saying look you fall in love with me you keep me first you desire my presence more than anything else and you won't be famous because God doesn't want us to be famous. He wants us to be fruitful. I've never settled to have anything less than God's best, even in the face of pain. And I know that many of you also are in that place to where there's times where you just want to give up. But I'm here to tell you that real healing is possible. What you do matters, but who you are matters more. You cannot give what you do not possess. You can only give what you do possess. You can preach about things that you don't live, but you can't give it away to other people. That's why we need the power of God to descend on us, that we're actually different than the culture around us. We are a people who be, and then we lead out of our being with Jesus. And there comes the power. We cannot preach restoration of family until we preach reconciliation to Christ. Let me just tell you this, the stats said that Jesus wasn't rising from the dead. Stats say that I shouldn't be standing here in front of you today. The last time I checked, we beat the stats. The last time I checked, we come from an underground grassroots movement where we have never been Goliath, we have always been David. I declare unto you, Foursquare, God is doing a new thing among you. Not just remodeling, reheating the old stuff, but he's about to do something your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard. You cannot imagine with your mind the great things that God wants to do. He's doing a new thing. He's going to blow your mind if you continue to worship him and praise him 
you know, as Bunny was saying, it was such a powerful time. And, and, and God gave us a word that he said, you cannot use your old anointing for your new assignment. In other words, God is giving us always new things. And because he makes all things new, he doesn't, he doesn't use our old things for the new times. And the Bible calls it new wine and old wineskin. You need new wineskin for the new wine lest the old wineskin burst. And whenever God does a new thing, we just get prepared for it. And being a part of uh, Foursquare, which is our denomination, also uh, keeps us growing in Christ because a convention like that gathers us together as, as pastors uh, to sharpen us, to uh, give us vision and direction. And that's a time for us to receive because normally on a Sunday like this, we're giving out. Uh, yeah, we receive. We have times with the Lord but such a rich time. So I want to say thank you for releasing me and allowing me to be there uh, for the past week. You know, uh, Pastor Marsha and Pastor Ben covered, they, and they brought the word of God. So we want to say thank you to Pastor Marsha and Pastor Ben for, for doing that. At the same time, whenever we think of our denomination, or what we call Foursquare, uh, we also think of what God is doing globally because he is doing amazing things throughout the world. And as time goes by, you're going to hear more about it. But we are, we are going to bring the messages, the main sessions, uh, to our Wednesday night services, so you get to be a part of it also. And that will be happening after our final high school camp this summer, which is Camp Legacy. And we wanted you to be a part of it because when God gives us vision, we only can accomplish it together as a church. We can only reach out to our community together as the body of Christ. All of us have been given a, an assignment from God, and we get to be a part of what he's doing in our world. And as the camps come up, you know, there are going to be many high schoolers and junior hires that are going to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. So everything we do has that goal in mind, that they would get to know their God, their Savior, and come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you're going to see some tents being, you know, uh, put up. You're going to see a lot of uh, regular tents because that's where they're going to be sleeping. It's like they're camping up here, which they will be. And that's going to be for, I believe, four days. It's uh, going to be Monday, uh, Tuesday through Friday. And so if you want to help uh, invest in this next generation, you can come up on this coming Monday, which is uh, not this coming Monday, after Father's Day. If you come up tomorrow, then no one's going to be here. But if you, after Father's Day, we're going to be setting up all of the tents and you can meet in the fellowship hall at 9 a.m. Not this Monday, the Monday after Father's Day, right? Is that correct? Am I correct? Okay, Pastor Marsha, thank you. And then, of course, the Friday after that. So, or if you know Chad Kaneko, you can see him and then he'll, he'll be able to point you in the right direction or just go to our information center and say, I want to help and, and invest in the next generation. And they're just going to be setting up from, a, I believe, 9 o'clock to about 12 and then taking down uh, that Friday from 9 to 12. So if you have a couple, hours, uh, a couple of hours to spare, please come and invest in the next generation. Uh, when I look at this generation now, uh, those who are uh, you know, serving God and are a part of what God is doing, they, they were that generation that you invested in when they were younger. And as they got older, they just kept serving God and kept their relationship with Him, and now they're advancing His kingdom. So I'm so thankful for that. And at the same time, congratulations to all the graduates this past season, not just in high school, but college. Well done. We want to give you a hand for this season. 
That's not an easy thing. And congratulations, parents, for your children graduating. And some of your children are going to be going off to college or your grandchildren, nieces, nephews. So it's kind of like a bittersweet moment if they're moving away. But they're going to spread their wings and fly. Keep praying for them that the relationship with God stays tight uh, because they're going to be out there on their own. But that's why you prepared them along the way. We are in this series, The Family of God, and as, as Bunny was saying, that there's more to the family of God than just us here. There are things that take place in the family of God that God created us for because he's the father. But not everyone sees God as the father. They see God as more like a religion and things to do and not do. And although God wants us not to do certain things, his love is not based on what we do. His love is based on who he is. And he loved us so much that he created us, and not just for this life, but for all of eternity. And today we're going to be talking about growing in God. And part of growing in God is, is hearing his voice and, and allowing his spirit to come into our lives so that we can grow in him. If we don't have God in our lives, we don't grow. And we stay stagnant. But thanks be to God that his, he, he has given us his spirit so that we can grow in him. Even, even though we may grow in Christ, there's also times that we grow in the seasons that we're in. As a husband, as a wife, as a family, you grow as a family. And it's not just the, the spiritual moments that we grow. We also grow up in maturity. And so we're going to be talking about that. I do want to bring something to you that uh, may help with thinking of the family of God uh, uh, last week, last week Wednesday, some of you know our music director, Glenn Motoishi, and he has been our music director for, I believe, four to five years. And as time went on, we looked at what God was going to be doing in our future and what he wanted to accomplish, which takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort, and it takes a lot of uh, teamwork for that to happen. Well, Glenn has a, a wonderful business that he does well in, but he also has this, which is full time. And when I saw the two schedules conflicting, we had to come to a place of we're going to have to figure something out, lest something give. And God forbid that the family falls apart because we always say God first, spouse second, children after that, ministry after that, or job or career. And so I, I like doing things preventive rather than, you know, a family falling apart. I'd rather, if I can be a part of the decision, uh, look at how we can prevent that from happening. And so I released Glenn from being our music director uh, just because of the conflict of schedule. And please pray for him and his family because it's a different season right now. It's a shift in that. But I think uh, when we can lift up our brothers and our sisters together, when we go through difficult times, we'll see God do tremendous things in our lives as well as with one another. And growth will come out of it. And I really believe that when, and we hear it said like this, when, when, when God closes a door, sometimes he opens a window. Sometimes when a door is closed, we think that that's the end of it, but that's not the end. God may be opening new doors, and I really believe that God is opening new doors. And so I just wanted to communicate that to you just in case you, you were wondering. Also, uh, as we learn and grow together in this season, and being in this uh, summertime season, our families are going to go through some difficult times. And not because it's summertime, but because we're family. Family together, when we're always together, we will kind of get under each other's skin. And because it's summertime and the children are home, our schedules change. As, as well as our normal 
Routines change. Like, who's in the bathroom? Get out. I need to get in. You know, all of those things will take place. So when we talk about growing in God, it's more than just the spiritual part. There are tangible things that take place when it comes to growing in God. And we want to grow in God. I think every single one of us wants to grow in God because growing up is automatic, but growing in God is intentional. That has to be on purpose. And unless we make the decision to grow in God, how will we grow in God? It takes commitment to grow in God. And it takes commitment in order for us to reach our God-given potential in our lives as well as our family. So you can take out your notes and uh, you can follow along. Or if you're using, if you're using the church app, that'll, that'll be great because there are the scriptures in there too. But I think sometimes we have this misconception that if we automatically grow physically, we would automatically grow spiritually. But it doesn't happen that way. We have to intentionally want to grow spiritually. And it's difficult when you're a new believer. Like when you're coming to know Christ, we we have to learn like different terms and learn a different culture now, as well as learn different habits and new habits. And unless we have different habits, we don't grow in God. We stay the same. So there's a lot of change that takes place But in order for something to grow, it has to be connected to an outside source outside of itself. Like our bank account. Our bank account doesn't just grow. Our funds and our finances doesn't just grow by itself. It would be great if it just grew by itself. But no, you have to put money in. You cannot go to the bank and say, can I withdraw $100? Oh, you don't have anything. What? How can I not have? I have a bank account. Yeah, but you didn't put anything in. Yeah, but did you put anything in? No, I didn't put anything in. This is your account. You can't go to the bank and withdraw what you did not put in. And so it is with God, with our spirit. We cannot grow within ourselves. We need an outside source to come in so that we can grow. A fruit tree cannot bear fruit unless there's an outside resource of nutrients and sunlight. We cannot go to a fruit tree and just put it in a box, leave it there, and come back later hoping there's fruit. It needs an outside source. Your phone does not charge itself. Wouldn't that be great if it just charged itself? But you need an outside power source in order to charge your phone. I ask, uh, we call them millennials, but I ask younger people, like, what would you rather have, run out of gas or run out of battery? A hundred percent of them said run out of gas. I'm like, you'd rather, you'd rather be stranded on the side of the road than your battery dine out? Oh, yeah, absolutely, because if my battery is on and I'm on the side of the road, I can call people. I can text people. I'm like, I don't know where the thinking is on this. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have fuel in my car. Because, and I don't need to rely on anyone. I can just drive home. I don't need to call anyone. But that's just the difference between the thoughts that we have. You cannot get anything from something that you don't pour into. You need to be pouring into our lives. Or God needs to be pouring into our lives. An outside source needs to be being poured into our lives in order for us to have any kind of output. So when it comes to growing in God, if, if we don't have his spirit speaking to us, we will not grow in him. If we don't have the outside resource of God coming in, then there is no growth. And that's what we want to learn today. I ask myself this question, though. Why is it important to grow in God? I mean, why, 
why, why do we need to grow in God? Why, why is it important for us to say, God, come into my life and, and help me to change and grow me? Why don't I just stay the same and, and then just live life that way? Why can't I just raise my family how I want to raise my family or my marriage how I want my marriage to be? And as I pondered on this, I thought, well, I, I truly believe that we all want our families to be stronger in our relationships. I truly believe that. I think every single one of us wants our family to become stronger. We want a, a parent-to-child stronger relationship. We want our siblings to get along. We want our, our loved ones to stay connected and stay strong. In our marriages, I think we want our marriages to be stronger. That's why it's important for us to grow in God. Unless we have an outside source, we cannot grow. And if we don't grow, nothing changes. And if nothing changes and we stay the same, it actually defaults to degeneration or destruction. It'll just spiral downhill. So growing in God is very important for us to grow stronger together so that the better change can take place. And we need God for that. There's no way we can do this on our own. We will need God for that because there are things that we do that affect other areas in our life. There are certain principles that if we don't learn, we're not going to be able to grow in other areas. I want to give you a couple areas I'm growing in just so that uh, we can have an idea of what we're looking at. I'm, I'm, I'm learning and growing in the area of uh, uh, pride with my wife in my family. And I recognize this because we have certain chores in our home. And I was talking to a group of people, and we were discussing who's responsible for what. And when they would mention certain chores around the house, I said, oh, I'm responsible for that, like the yard. That's my responsibility. So I'm speaking on my behalf. It might be different in your family, but this is what I'm, I'm working on, is I'm responsible for our yard. I'm going to mow the lawn, and I'm going to weed whack. That's my responsibility. And one of the... Um, one of the people that I was talking to, she's a wife, and she goes, oh, that's so sweet that, that you take care of the lawn. I said, yeah, because I don't want people to drive by my house and see Heidi doing the lawn. Heidi is my wife. I don't want them to drive by seeing Heidi weed whacking. And Heidi loves weed whacking. She grew up like that, weed whacking. So, so the, the person said, so wait, you don't do the yard because... You're doing that out of the goodness of your heart as a husband. You're doing that so that people don't look like you're doing something, uh, like you're bad as a husband. Because if your wife is doing the yard, then it's like, oh, you're, you're, you're putting that responsibility on her. I said, huh, never thought about it that way. But yes, that's kind of what I've been feeling. Like, I don't want somebody to drive by and say, oh, wow, Sheldon, he, the pastor, making his wife do the yard. And I thought, wow, that, that is in me. That I don't want people to see my wife doing like the hard things. Which is I'm working on. So I've gotten better. Heidi weed wax. There's nothing wrong with that. Just saying in conversation. Uh, I will take the trash to the dump. And then I thought about it. Because I don't want other people seeing Heidi taking trash out of her car and saying, Oh, I want to pass them. Make his wife take the trash. <laughs> that's, that's the pride in me. So it's not because I'm a loving husband. It's because I'm a selfish one. It's like I don't want people to see her doing the things that I think I should be doing. That's what I'm talking about growing in God, that I need to grow in that area. It's gotten better. It's gotten better. Like, if worse come to worse, she'll take the trash. It's, there's no problem with that. But I still have that issue in me. 
So you see, if that principle is still there, what other areas do I need to grow in? Because that's where it's surfacing. Those areas that we struggle with to grow in God is so incredibly important because, watch this, without growing in God, we never reach our God-given potential. Without growing in God, we never reach our full capacity. Without growing in God, we never become as fruitful as we could be. Without growing in God, we never reach the promises of God. We need to grow in God, and we're going to look at how we can do that because every single person, no matter what age, background, or economic status, can grow in their maturity with God in these ways. Here's the first one, that we just got to get up and follow Jesus. Did you know that that's how Jesus called his, his, his disciples? He, he, he challenged them. He called them to follow him. But if they didn't get up, it doesn't matter how eloquent Jesus sounded or how powerful he is or his authority. And it didn't matter the vision that he would give to them. If they didn't get up to follow him, nothing comes out of it. You have to get up to follow Jesus. Those two words have the power to move you. Because without getting up, there is no movement. Heidi and I, when our children were younger, they're 31 and 25. They just turned to age this past month and this uh, past week. Because of us trying to, as parents, learn how to, you know, raise our children, our, our boys got up differently. My older son, Justin, got up very easily, got himself ready, easy in the morning. My other son, Jordan, did not move at all. And to get him up in the morning was like, I mean, talk about pulling teeth. I wanted to pull his teeth to get him up, but he just would not get up. So Heidi would get them up, and then I would get things ready, and so we would teamwork. Well, Heidi has zero tolerance for sleeping when you need to get up. So she would wake him up. She'd walk in the room. Jordan, come on, time to school. Time for school. Let's go. She'd walk out of the room, get things ready, come back. Jordan, you need to get up. Jordan, time for school. 10, 15 minutes later, Jordan, if you don't get up, and she says other, other things, you know, that, you know, not, 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 no real threats of his life or anything like that, but I was like, boy, you better get up soon. You can black out. So hurry up, get up. So after some, uh, a long season of this, I, st I started to get angry because the morning just didn't feel good. And it felt like we were getting up stressed out. And in the morning was yelling, get up, get up, get out of the bathroom, hurry up. So it was like that. Not that I'm imitating Heidi. <laughs> She's in the fellowship hall right now, so I'm safe. But we'll do this over and over and over. And I'm like, Heidi, why are you yelling? Because he's not listening. I was like, because you're doing it all wrong. She's like, oh, you want to try? And I'm like, yeah, let me try. Now, Jordan is just like me. That's probably why she was so irritated with him, because that's how I get up. It's not. I don't get up. I got to roll out of bed. It takes me a while. So I said, let me try something. So I reverted back to when I was in high school, what helped me to get up. My sister, because she was an early riser, would turn the shower on for me. And she would say, get in the shower. Just drag yourself to the shower because you wake up. And that's what she did for me. So I thought, maybe I got to set up the environment for Jordan. So I'll turn on nice music, Christian music, you know, nice, nice worship songs and lyrics. So I'll put that on. And then I'll <laughs> go to his room. I'm like, what's up, Jordan? It's going to be a good day today, Jordan. I'm going to turn on the shower for you. And then we're going to get ready for school, make some breakfast. So I did that. He gets up, goes in the shower. And we're done. Comes out, eats breakfast, and then we go to school. Heidi's like, what? How'd you do that? I said, it's, it's, it's how I understand how to get up. 
I get the shower ready, I, I get the, you know, breakfast ready, I get all these things ready, put some nice music on so there's like ambiance. So you want to you wanna create the environment to get up rather than get up, get up, get up, get up. Who would want to get up in that environment? So we found out what works for us. It was a lot better for him to grow up in that kind of environment. But he's still lazy. <laughs> he, still, he still has a hard time getting up. But that's what we had to do during that season, that time. Unless you get up, there is no movement. Unless we get up and follow Jesus, there is no growth because there's no movement inside of us. Jesus did it like this in his, in his call to his disciples. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. He said, follow me and be my disciple. So Matthew got up and followed him. That's very simple. He got up and followed him. Jesus is calling us to be his disciples, to follow him, to learn from him. But it's our decision to get up. It's our decision to be discipled by Jesus. Because our commitments will either destroy us, it'll direct us, it'll develop us, or it'll define us. The commitments that we make with Jesus. So my encouragement is, why not make a full commitment to something that Jesus does eternally. We get to follow him into eternity. There's a second thing we can do to help us grow in God is to do the work required to grow. Do the work required to grow. In 2 Peter, I skipped that, but in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, Peter says, since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, and he's talking about the end times, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. He says, you know, on that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. See, when we look at a full commitment to something eternal, it's actually saying to God, none of these things will last. Everything is temporary. So instead of us investing in temporary things, Lord, we want to invest in something eternal. What is eternal? Following you which there is work required. Now, we don't work for salvation. We work because of salvation. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Because in order for us to do the work that will require, or the work required to grow, in order, for, in order for us to have that fruitful life, there's going to be some work. You have to plant a tree in order for it to bear fruit. You have to plant seeds and you have to water it, cultivate the soil in order for it to grow. There's work put into it. But in order for us to grow in God, in order for us to do the work required to grow, we must first let go of the past and take a hold of the future that God has for us. I was coming home. Have you ever come home and, and there are so many things in your car, but you try to carry them in one trip? Like, I ain't going back and forth in my car grabbing this bag and that backpack and that canister. So I'm grabbing, my, like, my hydro flask, my water bottle. I'm putting on my backpack. I'm grabbing my extra shoes. And then I'm grabbing just, uh, you know, ends and odds of in my car that I got to take in the house. Now I'm walking to the door like this. And I'm walking. And I have to hold my backpack on. That's why our backs go out, guys. So I'm walking to my door. And I'm like, oh, man. How do I, how do I open the door? Instead of me putting things down, because I, I challenge myself, right? We're so competitive with ourselves. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to put anything down, because if I put something down, I lose. How can I do this? So I start putting things on. I'm like, okay, Heidi's home. 
I could knock on the door, but no, that means I need her help. So how can I do this by myself? So finally, I get one hand free, and I have everything on me, and I'm leaning, and I go to open the door. It's locked. I'm like, oh, man. Now my keys are in my backpack. I'm thinking, maybe I can get my keys from the backpack. So I'm reaching around the side pocket, and I'm trying to grab my backpack. Now I'm catching a cramp, and I'm like, take the pain, buddy. Just take the pain. And I'm trying to grab the key. I'm like, come on, come on, suck in your gut. Come on, got to get it. And finally, I get the key. I'm like, yes. Woo-hoo. Now, about 50 minutes go by, and I'm sweating, and I'm trying to get the key in. Right when I put the key in, Heidi opens the door. Hi. I'm like, oh, come on. I almost had it. She goes, no, I heard you struggling. <laughs> I'm like, how long have you heard me struggling? But I thought about that. There's, there's no way I can open the door if I'm hanging on to all of these things. There's no way... I can open the door that God has for me if I'm hanging on to my past. If my life is full of all of these things that has been in my past and I'm dragging them along, how do I, how do I walk through that door that God says, here's the future that I have for you? That how am I going to allow God to grow me if I don't do the work required to grow? I've got to let go of a lot of things of the past We cannot open new doors hanging on to our old life. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 tells us, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, and this is Paul the Apostle speaking, but now how much more in my absence continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. In other words, the Bible is saying, continue to do the work of your salvation with fear and trembling. Like, take it seriously. Take your relationship with God seriously. Work out, not work for. Work out your salvation so that, so that God can work in you. There's, there's a difference why it's said like this. To work out means our part. So that God could work in is his part. You need both. Because when God saves us, it's called salvation. The old life is gone, the Bible says. The new has come. And now we, we now need to do the work for this new life because without putting in the new work, there is no new growth. We, we put in the new work. Proverbs 23 tells us, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flows the springs of life. See, that, that growth that God wants, he says, you know what? You're going to have to guard your heart because there's going to be a lot of work required to grow. And there are so many ways of, of putting in the work, whether it's being in the Word of God, being a part of a Bible study, being a part of serving. And although those things are included in it, it's not an end in itself. Because if we only rely on those things, then we miss the heart of God. That God must work in us, not just us doing the works. There needs to be something that happens. There needs to be a change. In other words, the third thing, we got to change our thinking patterns. Because attending church, Bible studies, doing our devotions, those are great things. Memorizing scripture, great things. But nothing changes unless we change our thinking patterns. Have you ever had your car die out on you and the steering wheel locks? Well, that happened to us in high school. But it wasn't because our, you know, something went wrong with the car. It's because we thought we could get to the next destination 
on fumes. We, we looked at the gas gauge, and it was my friend's car. It was an, I think it was like a 1972 Nova. One of those kind of cars. Now, if you, you know, if you, if you paint the car, it's a, it's a nice car. But we're driving down the highway and hoping and praying that we can get there on fumes. Like the needle was below E. So we're getting there. Sure enough, the car dies out and the steering wheel locks. So we can only go in one direction. My, my friend is trying to pull the steering wheel. I'm like, dude, it's locked. He's like, no, it's not locked. I can turn it. I'm like, no, you can't turn it. It's already locked. So finally, he just clicked the, you know, you just have to turn the, the ignition to unlock it. He had to put it in neutral and all of that. And finally, we got it unlocked. And I thought, if he did not do that, we would have crashed. Because it can only go in one direction. There's a direction that God has for us. It's a good direction. Unlike a car, God doesn't crash. But we tend to try to pull God in the direction that we want him to go. And we strain and we go through difficulties in life because we're trying to say, God, no, I want to go this way. And God is saying, no, 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 this is the direction for your life. I want you to grow in me. And it's difficult and frustrating because our pride comes up and our frustrations come up. And God says, no, no, but I want you to grow in me. And here's how we're going to do this. In other words, God knows best. He knows greater than us. He knows what is required in order for us to change. That's where our thinking patterns come in. See, the best way to solve the problem of the struggle is not trying harder. It's not trying to make God do something that we want him to do. It's, it's, it's simpler than that. It's basically surrendering to God and saying, God, I trust the direction that you have for my life. In other words, God, you steer. You direct my life. You help me to change my thinking patterns. And why do we need to change our thinking patterns? Because God never changes. He doesn't need to change. He's accurate. He knows what direction we need to go into. And so we need to change our thinking patterns rather than tell God, no, we want to change your direction. No, instead of doing that, change our thinking patterns and watch God grow us in the Lord. That's our Romans 12, 2 tells us, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, change will always start in our mind. Our mind is where the transformation takes place. Because how we think will determine how we feel. And how we feel we de will determine how we act. So it all will start in our mind. That's why the Bible tells us, develop the mind of Christ. Because if we develop the mind of Christ, we'll feel differently. And because out of those feelings, being in obedience with God, we can act. There's a change and a, a thinking pattern that must change. And this is where growth comes in. This is where maturing as a Christian makes all the difference that we have to put away the old self, the one that didn't know any better be before we were a believer or even being a new believer. Like we got to put away the old self so that we can take on the new. As 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 11 tells us, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Like it has to go. It has to go. It has to go behind us. And we do that naturally. I don't see adults with pacifiers anymore. 
We do it in a different way. We carry snacks or something, but we don't have pacifiers anymore. Why? Because that was for a certain season, but we grew out of that, and then we moved on to a new season. And that's what the Bible is saying. We get rid of those old things, and then we develop new, matured thinking. Yes, it's great to be a part of, you know, what God is doing in, in Bible studies and, and reading the Word, and, and we need those things. That's, the, that's part of the work required. But it's not only that. There needs to be that growth in God because there's also character building. There's also our conduct or how we behave and, and even our beliefs that God wants to grow us in. As 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 13 puts it, that what we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. See, growing in God can be summed up in three simple words. It's really thinking of others. It really comes down to that. And we're going to receive communion in just a bit, Jesus said these words. He says, whenever you do this, remember me. Now, I want us to pause with that a little bit. I'm going to call up the worship team also. When Jesus said, remember me, it can almost seem like we remember what to do. We remember communion, the juice and the bread. But he really emphasized, no, remember me. It's not remember the moment of communion. He's saying, remember me. He didn't say, remember the, the wine and the, the bread. He didn't say, remember gathering together. He said, remember me. And he said this, do often as you take the bread and as you drink of the cup to remember me. As often as you do this, remember me. We can sometimes remember communion and forget about Jesus. So today, we want to remember Jesus. I'm going to ask the ushers to pass out the juice and the bread. And we'll just, we'll kind of just instrumental behind. And as they're passing out the juice and the bread, the Bible also tells us to examine ourselves. Because unless we examine ourselves, there is no growth. But when we examine ourselves, we're able to grow in Him. And as they sing, Lord, I give you my heart, let that be our encouragement this morning. That, Lord, we give you our heart. Have your way in us. And just think about, Lord, what, where do you want to grow me in? How can I be different? How can I change my thinking patterns? Because we want to do better. And then I'll come back up, and then we'll receive communion together. Together. Go ahead, worship. This is my desire to honor Lord, with all my heart, I worship you.
you to stand uh, this morning. And I think for some of us, maybe a time of communion is the wonder of, but I don't, I don't know Jesus yet. I don't, I don't know Him as Lord and Savior. Well, I want to give you an opportunity for that. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. Lord, right now, we just want to spend this time remembering you, not remembering communion, but remembering you, all that you are and all that you have done for us and continue to do. I'm sure there are people here, Lord, that may, have, may not have said yes to you yet. But we wanted to give this opportunity for those who have never said yes to you to say yes to you. And if that's you today, I'm going to say a prayer. And as you repeat after me and include the heart, that's where salvation comes. It comes by us confessing to the Lord, believing in our heart that Jesus is Lord, confessing with our mouth, and the Bible says, you shall be saved. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to give me eternal life. I thank you for the free gift of eternity. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the first time, could you just acknowledge that by lifting your hand real briefly? And you're just saying, you know, I just said yes to Jesus this morning. Is that you? Okay. Just hold your hand up real briefly. I just want to pray for you. Okay, God sees you, definitely sees you. Heard your prayer. Okay, you can put your hands down. Lord, I just pray your blessing over these that said yes to you. We ask for your blessing over them that as they walk in this relationship with you, that they will walk side by side with you, and that as they grow in you, that they would see that their God-given potential is being realized. I pray that for all of us, Lord, as parents, as grandparents, as aunties, as uncles, husbands and wives, as people who want to represent you well, that as we receive communion today together as the body of Christ, 
that we remember you, not communion, we remember you and who you are. You've touched our hearts and our lives in such a way that causes us to have hope far beyond our own imagination. We trust you and we receive communion today together to remember you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus said, this is my body which has been broken for you. And every time you take this, do not forget me. Remember me. You take the bread together. After dinner, he took the cup and he said, this cup represents a new covenant written in my blood. It's like he's saying, this is a, a, a new thing that I'm going to do. You cannot use the old anointing, my old patterns for this new season, for this new assignment, for the new life that I have for you, the new promises that I have. And he says, I'm going to write this in my own blood because it's pure. And it pays the price for all of our sins. Not so that we just have a clean slate. It's so that we can have a relationship with God himself. You take the cup together. As we sing this last song together, it's also our prayer that this is our desire. That, Lord, we give your heart this morning. Amen.